As you know, the On Farm podcast is brought to you by the team at Seen and Heard PR and Marketing. And I just wanted to remind you about a new initiative that's happening here called On Record. On Record is a project to preserve voices, stories and memories for the future with your very own audio recording. So we're recording memories of rural life. We're travelling around Scotland, working with families and organisations to capture precious voices of family members or staff members or long-serving office bearers to preserve those for posterity and sometimes for historical value. So if you think this project is something that you'd like to be involved in and maybe you have a grandparent or a parent that you'd like to capture on audio while you can, please do get in touch. You can find out more at onrecordmemories.co.uk. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of On Farm. We are in Glasgow, Scotland's biggest city, which is very unusual for us. Normally we have cows in the background. Right next to Central Station at the Radisson Blue Hotel. And we are at the NFU Scotland AGM and Annual Conference. So we're standing outside the hotel uh, next to two quad bikes or an ATV and a quad bike. I don't suppose you find them parked outside a city centre hotel very often, but they're here because inside the hotel are over 400 farmers from all over the country who are here to hear and be heard when it comes to all the current issues, challenges and opportunities facing Scottish farming. Heading inside now, negotiating the revolving door. I've never been very good at these. Don't push. Maybe you do push this one. Here we go. Right. So we're heading inside now. I in true Blue Peter style have prepared earlier a map of Scotland which shows the nine regions that NFUS uses to categorise its members and everybody we speak to we're going to be asking them to stick a little red dot on the map uh, according to where they come from so that we can get a real flavour of where people have come from what type of farming they do in that area what the issues are in their particular part of the world and really look at what NFUS is doing to address some of these issues and talk with one voice on behalf of all of these different and very varied farmers so I go right there. there. Amazing, thank you. I'm Joe Darno. I come from Glen Hill cattle and sheep on the farm. I'm Jamie Smart. I've come from Linlithgow in West Lothian, and I'm here one because I love coming to the AGM, but two because I'm retiring chairman of the Legal and Technical Committee. And why do you think it's important to come here every year? To catch up with what's new, to hear what the politicians are saying, to hear what our top team are saying, and to have fun and speak to fellow farmers. We're in a high hill situation and very isolated with no public transport, nothing of, you know, the, the kind of things that folk in different areas take for granted and just meeting people with a totally different perspective, arable growers, pigs and poultry people, you know, people that we don't have as part of our own local community. So you get a wider, varied outlook. And what about the serious issues of the day? What are you picking up at home that's really kind of challenging people at the moment? The same as everybody else. Weather is the one that will be affecting absolutely everyone. I also operate the transport helpline for NFU Scotland and it's the fuel issues. It's not until you actually mix with other people that you realise we're all fighting the same battles. So we've got, now we've got two dots on our map, uh, having spoken to two people, and one is 
right up in Aberdeenshire and then Jamie Smart is right on the border between Lothian and Borders and Forth and Clyde as we discover from Joe, her issue is totally different to those faced by somebody perhaps in Fife or East Lothian so it's really interesting to hear what's going on on the ground and, and get people's viewpoints Gentlemen I hope you're using this are... term loosely <laughs> <laughs> We are recording a podcast today. You are recording a podcast? Yes. I might start by bringing out my Blue Peter map and ask you both to take a red sticker and stick the sticker on the map and tell us at the same time where it is that you've come from today. Yesterday, I drove from Buchan. Ah. Yesterday, I left Dingwall and came down by train. Excellent, thank you. Gosh, our dots are getting all over this map already. We've only had four people. Um, yeah, <laughs> maybe red was the wrong colour. So I am the Russia branch chairman. Okay. Yes. I am the vice chair of Highland Branch. And what's um, your farm farming, enterprise? Farming-wise, yeah. our main business is breeding pedigree limousines. One of the biggest ones that I see is who owns our data. As it stands at the minute. We're supplying data to a lot of companies and we don't actually own that data and that data will allow them to manipulate what we do and yes. that needs to be tackled. Yeah. That's the biggest one. The second thing is antibiotic resistance and antibiotic resistance. Presumably, Alistair, though, up in Russia, reception on that generally must be more of a problem than is in us in the Rowlands. It is a major problem. Even our own farm, which is just outside Dingwall, we have very variable mobile reception and very poor broadband speeds. So a lot yeah. of improvement needed on that front. Um, my name's Kelvin Pate. Um, I'm from East Lothian. I'm a mixed, mixed uh, livestock, uh, bleak arable farmer. I'm here today because the union is the voice of farming. Um, any other profession have, have unions to represent them. And the best way to get your voice over is to have one voice that uh, speaks to all its members and puts that forward to people that can make a difference. What to you are the key issues? Trade's number one. You know, as farmers, we can't farm unless we've got a market. It doesn't matter what commodity you're in, from arable to, to livestock. If there's a demand for a product, farmers will produce it. And that's the message we have to send to governments, be it in this country and abroad, that you know, farmers all over the world need markets for their produce. And we need a level playing field so that it, it, the marketplace is fair. The world's going to have to feed 9 billion people going forward. And if be it for climate um, reasons, we take land that can produce food out of production. It might come back and haunt us when there's parts of the world in 30 years' time that stop being able to produce food. So we have to be really careful which land we take out of production. Perfect summary. Thanks, Kelvin. This is Jimmy Ireland, and he's sticking his sticker right in the right? middle of Ayrshire. Right in the, yeah. of Ayrshire. In the high which hills Which I kind of knew anyway, but I yeah, wanted yeah, him yeah. to do it. Uh, well, I livestock chair of NFU Scotland and we do farm beef and sheep at home. Unfortunately, I've all my lambs sold. <laughs> now tell us for the uninitiated, why is that unfortunate? Because the price of lamb is well up there now. Our lambs all averaged £83. We were quite happy with that. We were yeah. a bit, if you were selling them today, you would be over 100 that's in a nutshell. the market. That's the I market, guess, yeah. yeah and we, we, we are always, tell, they tell us we need to deal with volatility. Yeah, I can do that, but we need a wee go of the high times as well as dealing yeah, with the low times. So, absolutely. yeah. You were quite a regular face at this AGM. <laughs> Young, obviously, but absolutely, regular. Absolutely, Anna. Um, why, did, why did you come over you? Uh, I still thoroughly believe that we can make a difference. We have an open door at the Scottish Parliament. 
dealing with Westminster is another thing, but you know, we, we are, we can go and talk to these guys and they, they will not do anything without consulting NFU first. They maybe don't always do what we want, but we have, we really have got open doors there and that, that enthuses me to keep coming and try and make a difference. And you, you, we are here for the whole industry, without a doubt. I mean, I'm getting my livestock hat on most of the time, but we are here trying to represent the whole industry. So that's what drives me. So, Jimmy, the, we've spoken to a couple of people here today who it's maybe their second or third AGM, but there'll be people listening who've never been along to this before um, and who perhaps aren't engaging with NFU Scotland at all. What would you say to them about the importance of doing that? Good question, but, you know, I would encourage anybody to get involved with NFU. Even if you don't like some of the stuff we're doing, for goodness sake, come on board and tell us. Yeah, absolutely. Come at us, let, let us know. Because we, we think we're on the right tracks, but we maybe aren't. We maybe need a wee kick up the proverbials now and again. The door is open, the and as you say, you, you can open. only speak with the voice of the farmers if the farmers are telling you what they want. Absolutely, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. We've just spent a really interesting half hour, quite an intense half hour, but a really interesting half hour chatting to five or six farmers, uh, male and female, from across Scotland. I kind of thought that, you know, despite my years working in this industry, I did think that we'd hear a lot of consensus, and yet all of the five people we've spoken to so far have said something completely different about what the big issues are facing both them and the sector. So that's been really interesting, and I'm curious to see when we speak to more people if any consensus does emerge but I think maybe it won't because it depends where in the country you've come from or and what sector you work in and yes everybody faces the same challenges key one being the weather but there are also a huge number of differences and I think that's that's really going to be quite telling today. I'm now just watching the panel uh, line up on the main stage so we've got big screens and a podium and uh, there's Scott Walker, Chief Exec, up at the top and uh, various other panel members. So it's, I think, due to get going any minute now. OK, thank you. That's Andrew McCormick, President, is just about to start now. It's working really well. I didn't even have to tap glasses or use my ear horn or anything, so thank you very much for that. So, where are we? As far as I can see, everything has changed, but nothing is different. We are in an increasingly volatile and challenging world. The threat of disease, both human and animal, the degree of unrest in the Middle East, and the continuous disruption in trade created by countries taking individual positions outside WTO rules and agreements. Just giving us a real summary, basically, of some of the key challenges of which there are many facing the industry at the moment and how we can overcome them. But I think also... I like him because he's quite a positive guy and he's, he's really also talking about you know, where there are challenges, there are also opportunities and how can the sector grasp those opportunities for mutual benefit. We, as an industry of farmers and crofters, have a far, far bigger challenge, which is the negotiations of our future trading relationship with the EU and the rest of the world, as it affects significantly our markets and how we will be able to do business going forward. NFUS has stated from the very beginning after the vote that we do not want agriculture and food to be a bargaining chip. We've just uh, managed to find a quiet corner away from the hordes to speak to Andrew McCormick. To start off, can you just tell me a bit about you as a farmer? 
and then we'll move on and talk about some of these issues. Yeah, okay. I mean, I was brought up on a dairy farm. We also grew vegetables that we marketed directly to the public. I did a degree, and then I've moved into beef and sheep farming with my wife. Our family has become part of it. Well, part of the family has been part of that business, and we've taken on a second farm now in East Ayrshire. We've got one at Dumfries, all beef and sheep. What motivated you to start on the journey to becoming president of NFU Scotland? Cussedness, probably, <laughs> and a bit of serendipity. But it was uh, the NVZs, they brought an NVZ into the steel region. I look back uh, at the way that presentation was done. The room was packed, the whole of, I would say the whole of the, the east side of the Friesen Galloway was in the room. And they were basically presenting us with a, a fait accompli when they called it a consultation. That really irked me. Uh, I got very noisy. The group secretary at the time said we're going to have to do something about this and I happened to be one of the ones he picked to go and meet the cabinet secretary. So I started lobbying before I was even in the branch vice chair or the branch chair. So, okay, yeah. Yeah, but it was just pure cussedness because I couldn't understand the signs that they were using. I still got put into an NVZ but from then on it just seemed to be serendipity. I just kept getting pushed on to the next, pushed on to the next thing. Uh, not, not I'm saying pushed but I was encouraged to keep going and look yeah. where I've landed. Yeah, Most people listening to this will know about MBZs, not everybody will. Can you just tell us in as simple a way as possible what an NVZ is and what it means to, to you as a farmer? Well, it's actually, it's a nitrate vulnerable zone. It's actually a measurement and control of how you work and operate with nitrate, nitrogen fertilisers, both organic and inorganic. You have to do nutrient plans. You get close periods part of the year that you're not allowed to use your slurry or your fertiliser. And it's basically, it's limits are placed on top of you as well. It affects both arable and grassland farmers. And it's a case of we have to fit into these rules and times Doing that by calendar is just not the right thing to be done. Again, it's another reason we have to be doing this debate, and I hope we get some simplification coming forward from this. It wasn't being addressed in the way that you thought it should be addressed. It wasn't using the right data and listening to the farmer's point of in view. In my opinion. Yeah, in your opinion. <laughs> and that, that's what got, got the bee in your bonnet, it and that's why up. you're here. Yep, yeah, absolutely. But I think most of the people that go up on for office, it's one thing gets them going and then they see them pack the power that they can get on behalf of the membership eh, to go it on. But equally, the members find somebody that will actually carry their message. They're keen to encourage them to go forward as well. 2020s are going to be a massive decade for us. There are going to be a lot of bumps the road, possibly even collateral damage. But there are inevitably going to be opportunities. And I passionately believe that. Obviously, we've got 400 people here-ish, many people at home watching on Facebook Live, but many people who won't have, have experienced today at all. So what were the key issues in your speech and, and, and what, where does the future lie as far as... There's three, three big elements, where we currently are and the potential there is to get the deals right. We've got to have that as a big priority. It's part of what I was trying to draw out. I was laying it on heavy about standards and I still think we need to be watching how this is done. Any government that's going to want to see the price of food being increased is not going to get votes. But mm -hmm. we can't see them bringing in produce to undermine the market at the same time. If we've got the cost that I mentioned earlier, uh, uh, supplying it to that standard, meeting the regulation, we should not be getting our market undercut by anything coming in from abroad. And we need to make sure this is part of what they see going forward. Climate change. OK, let's accept that we're going to have to work and deliver this, but we need the tools in place. We need these tools to be actually honest 
There's things in there that is not being taken account of. We're not getting the whole circle completed. It's got to be a holistic approach to this. And finally, I don't believe if we are determined to make as much a go of what we're producing in this country that we're throwing enough at marketing. We should be throwing more into marketing because I think the return could be multifold, especially with the backstory we've got. We're all about the stories. This podcast is all about the stories and finding the people, the enterprises, the organisations, the charities, the communities that have all got an amazing story because all of those stories fit together to tell the bigger story about Mm. rural Scotland. And it's crucially important that we get people listening to this, not just the farmers, although we really want them to listen, but beyond that as well. So people can really understand where their food comes from and all that's being delivered by the farming industry. I see a success on the promotional stuff they do, the, the, the news releases that we do is getting it into red tops. We need to be day in, day out, getting the public to understand what we are, why we're doing what we are, and actually what we are delivering on their behalf. One of the issues that's cropped up at least twice from the, the people we've spoken to so far is food yep. and the choices that we make. Kelvin Pate was saying everybody has a choice to eat what they want and we don't wish to meddle with that choice. But what we do need to do as an industry collectively is to shout about all of the positives that farming is delivering. So I'd love to hear your take on, on that with, with regard to climate change. And well, I think Kelvin's got it right. There's a real case and a problem from us. It's easy for people that are being detractors to, to throw out a statement. They don't need to substantiate it. They don't need to prove it. A half-truth is more dangerous than a, an outright lie. They can come out there, they can throw this out there and walk away and leave it. If I, in my position, was to come out with a half-truth, that would come back and haunt me. It would haunt NFU Scotland and it would cause disrespect to our industry. I can't allow that to happen. But there's no scientist, there's nobody will ever commit to a 100% this is exactly what will happen. We're being told trees will solve our problems. There's questions got to be asked in that. It's about global warming. It's not just about one element, one carbon element. It's a far, far bigger story. And that's why I think we need a holistic approach to this. We need to understand what are the challenges, what are the consequences of the decisions that we're making. And we need to sit down and work our way through that. And it'll be difficult because it's like an ecosystem, as I said. You make one thing different, something else changes somewhere. We need to be able to take that into account and make it to make policy on the hoof on the basis of just one element or one thing is certainly not going and I could go back to the NVZs and say that's part of what I saw with that. They had made a decision based on one thing and didn't understand the whole picture. As an industry, the Scottish Government have set some very demanding targets for 2030. There must be a real roadmap, a roadmap for us to see how to turn our businesses and mindsets to meet these challenges. Farmers and crofters are in this for the long haul. And we need to be able to adjust without crippling their businesses. We need to see where we are going. What would you say to somebody who's maybe questioning their, their consumption of meat? What would you say to them? Mm. Questioning consumption of meat? Actually understand what it is and what part of it is. It's a balanced diet I'm talking about. And again, I mentioned that. We've got a lot and plenty of farmers producing vegetables and fruit that would keep them happy and contented. But it's the balanced diet and it's ensuring that they get that balanced diet. It, there's a place for meat. There definitely is. I think it's got such an important part to play and it's such an important part with some of the elements that's in it, not just the meat, but the protein density, the quality of the protein, mm-hmm. the nutrients that's within that, the irons that the uh, going into dairy, the likes of iodine. A lot of people don't realise the importance of milk even for the iodine part of what they're doing. Oh, absolutely, yeah. So that there's a whole tranche of stuff that's just getting thrown to the side. We can live in vegetables. Fine. 
you have that choice, but you shouldn't be trying to force that onto other people. Mm. You make your choice, carry on, there's nobody will get in your way. But when you start telling people they're getting it wrong, and to try and tie it into climate change, I think it's another challenge. Mm-hmm. That's a whole another episode which we'll be recording later because there is so much to be said on that one and, and the whole methane debate is it's going to be interesting this afternoon. It's not just methane now. We've got CO2, we've got the methane, we've got the nitrates. OK, we could rush on ahead, turn the Scotland into a wilderness, but it'd be good for the climate. We'd have to import our food from somewhere that was doing the exact opposite. To me, that's wrong. Absolutely. And, and we've heard already this morning that the number of mouths we need to feed is only getting bigger and we need to make 10 sure... 10 billion by 2050 yeah. is the figure I've been quoting. Oh, it's significant. Yeah. yeah. And again, we're losing land at a massive scale just by industrialisation. Amounts of roads, the amount of buildings that's going up. And if we want to move to Africa, desertification because of the lack of water. We're going to have less and less asset to produce this food from. They're talking about vertical farming, but is it the only answer? One thing I can say, if vertical farming comes in, Scotland's in a great place for the water supply. Might be tighter for sunshine. And we will will need some of that in there. We need an energy source of some kind. There's ways of getting around this, but there's challenges. We want to be part of this and we want to be in the driving seat if we can. Absolutely. Every episode of the podcast that we do, what's important to me is the future and... I definitely want to come on to that in a second. But you mentioned earlier on you've got one year left as president. So let's just look back briefly. What do you believe your legacy is? What would you consider to be your greatest achievements in the years that you've put in so far? Looking at it simplistically, I think the land matching service has got to be a big step forward. We had the joint venture hub. This has been morphed. We can look at the family membership, trying to bring more diversity into the membership of National Farmers Union of Scotland. But looking at the way going forward, one of the most important things I think as NFU Scotland we've done is to change documents. We've been putting out documents to say, here's a potential policy that would fit all the boxes, make everything work. It buys into the environmental improvement, it buys into production improvements, and it doesn't mean that the two have to collide with one another. They're actually mutually inclusive. This will be work that carries on beyond my time, but we've got the foundations in place. Every president, past and future, will have different challenges in, in oh, the place. Yeah. And it's a case of, you've bit the bullet, let's get on with it. And I'm determined, of, you say I've got one year left, it's going to be such an important year. Something else I wanted to ask you, I, I've been attending NFU Scotland AGMs for about 15 years and spoken both sort of formally and at the bar with a lot of members. And it seems as though... The arable farmers think that you do more for the livestock farmers. The livestock farmers think you do more for the dairy farmers. The dairy farmers think you do more for the less favoured areas. So how do you sort of square that circle, as it were? Squaring the circle, you've actually done it in the way you've asked the question. They're all thinking that we're not getting favouritism. Therefore, everybody else must be getting the same treatments. So (laughs) it balances it all out. It balances it all out. If everybody's feeling that, it means we must be representing everybody equally. So I'm I'm going to take that as a compliment. (laughs) Quite right, quite right. We, we are recognising today with the people that we've spoken to that they, they, they all have the, some of the same challenges. Weather has obviously come up quite a lot, but they've also all got their own unique challenges, whether that be connectivity or rural transport. It's been really interesting to me to see that diversity, but also to see that, that whatever their challenges, they un, those people understand the importance of coming here and speaking up, mm-hmm. making their voice heard, and then going back to their regions and disseminating what they've learnt from being here for I two think days. To me, that's a big important part of the conference. It's actually the two way. We've started mm-hmm. streaming this live on Facebook. Yes, so yes. that's got to be a step forward for Absolutely. the ones that want to be here but can't for other reasons. Yes, so we're, yeah. we're trying to use the modern world as much as we can. 
if somebody's sitting at home and they're thinking, oh, you know, I'm not that happy with what NFUS is up to at the moment, but, you know, I'm a busy guy or girl, I don't have time to engage with them, what would you say to them? I don't want them to be sitting there and not being part of what we're doing because their voice, if they're thinking their voice is not being heard, they need to get in and knock on the door and be a part of that. And again, it was part of my reason for getting involved with the NBZs. If you don't get in there and be part of it, you're going to be left to the side. Well, thank you very much. It's been a privilege. Thank you very much. I know that you're a busy man, so we're lucky to get 20 minutes of your time, but thank you. Now, just a little bit of housekeeping uh, before I let everybody go for lunch. There is an Open Farm Sunday photo session to take place just outside the atrium right now. None of this has been engineered, and yet we're doing really well. We've we've got a nice spread. We've not yet spoken to anybody from Argyll and the Islands, or Orkney and Shetland, and East Central, which is kind of Fife, Tayside area. We've got a bit of a gap there. We'll keep going. We'll talk to some more people, and hopefully we'll get this map covered. about those two ladies over there? My name's Ashley Stoddart dairy and beef farmer from outside Lockerbie called Hilo Farms. And uh, Joe Halliday from a dairy farm at Kirkpatrick Fleming, Lockerbie called Brook Hill. So if I could give you a, a red sticker, can you add to our little measles chart? What about there? And um, can I ask you, uh, why are you here today? I work for consultants. We're part of the NFU and just wanted to see what the situation was regarding the EU and uh, coming out of etc. So it's just kind of been informed about what's going on really and do you feel that you'll be able to take something you mean you've not heard everything from today i appreciate but do you, do you hope that you can take something useful back and disseminate it amongst your friends and neighbors and, and con- colleagues regarding yeah. the climate hopefully and how the carbon footprint it's it's a major issue obviously one of the milk producers at the moment uh, they're all going down the route of carbon footprint how to cut yeah. stuff carbon down, audits and, audits things, and everything yeah. we've got to produce in the milk sector. Good. Well, are you enjoying it so far? Yes, yes. Yep. Thank you. Yep. Now, please don't take offence at this comment, gentlemen. We were looking for young people and we thought, well, young-ish yeah, will be major. fine. We're recording a podcast okay. about today and oh, I yes. wondered if I could... Thankfully, you've finished, so yes. we're not interrupting you all out. I'm Robin Sequoia and I'm from Dalkeith. I'm uh, Lothian and Regions chairman at the moment, just new on. You're obviously representing your area here today. Yes. What are the big issues facing your patch and what do you hope you can take home from today that to, to help? I think the, the biggest change is, uh, is going to be political over the next uh, two or so years. We've had a massive change in agriculture as we're hearing today. It's the first time in over 40, I think 47 years since we've been uh, in control of our own uh, destiny from the British Isles, from the United Kingdom point of view and in the Scottish Parliament as well. They're going to be deciding our future. There'll be winners and losers, but I'm thinking overall Scottish Ag could come out really well on this. Uh, I'm Roy Brown. I'm from East Lovain, not far away from Gifford. We're mixed farmers. We produce sheep, cattle uh, and also um, crop cereals. Thank you. And um, why are you here today? Well, I treat it like a bit of a social gathering you know, for farmers and also to keep on top of, of policy and just listen to what um, people at the top end of an industry would say. Spot on. Thanks, Roy. Thank you. There's your sticker. I don't know where I stay, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe got the map upside down. Okay, my name's George Laurie. Uh, I'm chairman of RET, the Royal Highland Educational Trust, uh, and I've come from Kinross in East Central Branch. Thank you, George. And, and why are you here today? Um, I find it a very good networking event where I can meet a lot of people and also get up to date with the current uh, policies within NFU 
which helps me understand the wider agricultural networks. Uh, very interested in the climate change stuff that's just coming on and uh, I'm interested to learn more on how we can implement that to help agriculture reduce their carbon footprint. My name's James Withers, I'm Chief Executive of Scotland Food and Drink. Hi, I'm Jeff Ogle, I'm the Chief Executive for Food Standards Scotland. James, if you don't mind, we'll start with you. Um, can you tell us why you're here? I suppose this has always been the annual get-together for Scotland's farming community. The bit, obviously, I'm interested in is how we can more and more connect farming to the food and drink story and I've come out of a session being really heartened by how much of it has been not about the intricacies of farming subsidy regimes farming regulatory regimes but actually thinking about what the market end opportunity might be for us. My own view is the whole debate about veganism and veganuary, bring it on bring it on and if we can really have a debate heating up around what is meat's impact, how do we sustainably produce protein in the world, that's going to be a gift for Scotland if and it's a big if, if we get our story right, if we invest in telling our story. Yes, absolutely. I was at the SAOS conference last week and the, one of the overwhelming messages there was that actually the industry collectively doesn't shout loudly enough yet. And I don't just mean Scotland Food and Drink, I mean right down to the grassroots. So it needs collaboration and it needs a collective voice. It does, and it needs positivity too. Uh, we should go on the offensive. We should not get entrenched and think that there's a a militant group of vegans out there coming at us, there's a great opportunity to tell a positive story. So let's see it as an opportunity and let's talk collectively as one. Farming have been world beaters in history in battling each other, different sectors against different sectors. Now is the opportunity to get together. But it's not just farming, it's right through manufacturing and it's not just about you know red meat and dairy and bakery, it's about seafood and salmon and it's about whiskey as well, that whole collective story that Scotland has. Because as a pretty small country, we've got a pretty amazingly diverse natural larder to take advantage of. The NFU is uh, one of the stake major stakeholders when it comes to food and drink and obviously we're the regulator and you know, I was uh, asked by uh, NFUS to give a speech on Brexit. How did it go down? We were actually out here interviewing a few people so we didn't catch the whole of your speech but how did it, what was the questioning like at the end? Uh, I mean the questions were uh, quite interesting and challenging actually. I think the main concern that's coming up is actually understanding the implications of, of uh, what EU exit means and the trade deal isn't, isn't the, end, the end point. You know, the trade deal is just an enabler to enable exports to other markets. You've still got to get the market, you've still got to meet all the requirements of the other market, you've still got to find businesses that want to import your food and you've still got to find consumers in other countries that want to eat it. From a farmer's perspective, a farmer who's either here today or listening to the podcast, what would you hope would be the one take-home message from what you were saying in your speech today for them? I think the key thing is for, for farmers to understand who their customers are and who they're supplying, how much of the reliance they have on EU markets for both import and export. I would encourage farmers to really think about their current business who they import from, what they import, where it comes from. Is that still sustainable uh, or do they need to think differently? That actually reminds me of an episode, the second episode in our podcast series, which was with Norvite Feeds in Aberdeenshire. And all of their feed stock for their products comes within a 15-mile radius. It's all about reducing reliability on imported soya and, and using oilseed rape that's grown on the doorstep. So, yeah, it's all about that circle. Yeah. Thank you both very much. Right, so lunchtime's over and everybody's gathered back in the main room where we're going to be hearing all about climate change, so uh, a topic that's come up a lot this morning. 
my map is looking pretty busy. We've, we've got a concentration in Lothian and Borders, but we've got nearly every region covered except Orkney and Shetland. Oh, and Forth and Clyde, maybe. So uh, a bit of work to do later. Well, good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, and uh, welcome to our afternoon sessions. First one starts off with cutting green. So now uh, we're going to go and corner some more farmers and, and more attendees who want to know where they've come from and why they're here. So we're going to go and find them. And at the moment, we don't have any stickers on Orkney and Shetland. So my first mission is to try and find somebody from there that we can talk to and, and, and find out more about their motivations for being here. Ewan McInnes is my name. And I've come from Mary Cooter, just southwest of Aberdeen. And why are you here, Ewan? I'm here... One, I have a serious interest in farming, and secondly, I'm a retired NFU secretary. You're retired now, but still involved? Yes, well, I'm a farmer's husband. My wife has the farm, and we currently take in summer grazers and finish them. Mm-hmm. And we also have a herd of red deer. Why do you think coming along to things like this is important? Well, the union needs all the support it can have, Everyone who's in the farming business should be a member, and not all are. And the union does a phenomenal amount of work on a very limited budget. We're just trying to create a snapshot, really, of what today is about and why people come. William Turner, dairy farmer with some suckler beef as well. Well, you've got to support the union because it's only people that look after us, really. I'm uh, Wesley Aston, and I'm the chief executive of the Ulster Farmers Union in Northern Ireland. Ah, OK, so uh, uh, that explains why, why the dot is in the middle of the sea on my yeah. map. Uh-huh. Yes. <laughs> um, and can you tell us why you're here today? Uh, because I think we have a very close working relationship with the NFU Scotland, uh, and particularly over common issues such as Brexit. We've worked very closely together and continue mm. to do so, and it's very useful to be able to exchange ideas and views, and that's why we're here to support uh, you know, them and hear what's going on over here. And so what do you hope will be, be some of the key takeaway messages from, from having met with people and, and listened to some of the presentations here today? Well, I, th- I think certainly looking forward about how we reposition ourselves following on from Brexit and what sort of shape of agriculture policy we have, particularly when, since we can regionalise it, uh, and obviously the more international challenges that we have around climate change and veganism and all those important topics that are, that are common to us all. Veganism has been a pretty popular topic in the people we've spoken to today. Um, not everybody uses that word. Some people kind of shy away from it. Um, but, but overwhelmingly, the message has been, perhaps surprisingly, that we should all be about promoting a balanced diet, and that includes supporting our producers who grow potatoes or broccoli or whatever it might be, as well as the livestock producers. So uh, what are your thoughts on that? Totally. It's, it's, it's about a balanced diet, but it's also about choice. Mm-hmm. I want to make sure that people have the choice themselves and let them decide. My name's Terry Jones and I'm Director General of the National Farmers Union for England and Wales. We've got a very close working relationship with NFU Scotland. Uh, we worked very closely with them uh, for the last hundred or so years. Give us some examples if you can. What are some of the things that you've been working together on at the moment? I suppose there's kind of two big themes that are on the minds of the farming unions at the moment. Uh, the first is obviously climate change and lots of talk about how we can move forward with the UK committed to net zero by 2050. How can we as farmers play our, our part in that? Second of all, Brexit. And of course, you know, the, the headlines have been dominated by all of that uh, discussion. But the big thing at the moment for us is really looking hard at trade policy and also making sure that the standards, the very high standards uh, that we enjoy right across uh, United Kingdom farming are maintained once uh, we start to do deals with third countries. Uh, and so the NFU 
uh, and NFE Scotland will come together on the 25th of March uh, for a big mass uh, rally and lobby of Parliament uh, to really lobby MPs to help them understand what's at stake uh, if we do bad trade deals. And fundamentally, this is about making sure that we maintain the really high standards of animal welfare and environmental protection that we enjoy right across the country. What would you say to somebody who's sitting at home criticising the work of, say, NFU Scotland, um, but not actually speaking up? Well, look, I've always been a great believer in the unique partnership that all of the unions enjoy, and we all partner well-briefed members with professional staff. And it's the really great strength of the farming unions where real people with real businesses with a bit of dirt under their fingernails tell the story uh, of their industry. And I would say to those guys, get involved. If you don't get involved, if you don't have your say, you then can't complain when things perhaps don't go uh, our way. Uh, and look, you know, wherever you are in the United Kingdom, you've got to support your farming union. Uh, you'd expect me to say that, but it's demonstrably the thing to do, particularly at a time uh, like this where we need everybody to be speaking with one voice. So we're just coming to the end of the formal business at the NFU Scotland conference today. Um, we've spoken to brilliant people, but we're not done yet. Uh, we've got more dots to put on our map and more farmers to speak to, but we took some time out earlier on uh, to record another episode which you can hear next week and it's all about climate change so a little different a bit of a noisy background because uh, we had all the comings and goings behind us but really really interesting i've learned a lot and i think you will as well can you tell us your name and where you've come from my to name's start with? james porter i've i come from uh east grind canusti and why are you here today because i'm horticulture chair of nfu scotland we're doing quite a lot of work on seasonal workers just now. That's mm-hmm. our, probably our biggest focus, just to, to hear what everybody's got to say. And there's quite some interesting talks today on climate change. You've almost asked my next question for me, because I was going to ask you, you know, what the key issue is as far as your sector is concerned, and it's, it's to do with, with workers. So can you tell us a little bit about that? Oh, sure. Basically, we, we're working... Uh, on the seasonal worker scheme which they've got at the moment it's a trial scheme for two and a half thousand people when free movement of labor ends at the end of this year we will lose the ability to bring over all these east european folk that have been coming over and picking and packing all our fruit and veg for the last 25 years so it's a huge uh, worry for us that's our biggest issue there isn't a piece of fruit or veg on the, sh- on the supermarket shelves that isn't picked or packed by mm-hmm. someone from Eastern Europe. Mm-hmm. So our whole industry is utterly dependent upon it. We're just trying to make sure there's some kind of um, way for us to carry on bringing across people from Eastern Europe and also looking a bit further east to perhaps Ukraine or Belarus where we were mm-hmm. before. Oh, I see, yeah, yeah. yeah. What's your been, kind of been another sort of headline takeaway message that you've heard from listening to the speakers today? Well, I guess climate change is all, you know, it's, it's like a, it's a huge thing and, and it's, you know, you thought Brexit was big, well, this is going to be 10 times bigger and it's going to go on for a lot longer as well so I thought Andrew McCormick uh, the president made a very good point today and he said look you've told us there's a fire and we agree there is a fire we need to put it out and you're telling us we've got to put it out but you haven't given us a fire engine to do it so we need to know <laughs> that's a good analogy we need to, one, yeah. yeah yeah so we need to know how to do it people need the tools and the information yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. 
it's a real issue yeah absolutely we've just recorded another episode for next week with some of the speakers from that session Um, and it's been really enlightening for me I learned a lot more even than I did in there I was encouraged because the union do seem to have those answers which which will will be disseminated Um, and I think I think um, those are the kind of biggest things for me really brilliant well thank you very much for your contribution (laughs) I'm sorry to literally pounce on you Can I start just by asking you to put a sticker on the map for where you've come from, yeah. for where you live? Right, where does Loch Lomond uh, fit in this? Must be somewhere around about... Is it somewhere around about there? Yeah, I think that's close enough. Roughly, there we go. My name's Chris Scott Park and I've come from uh, Loch Lomond side. And are you a farmer? Yes. Yes, what do you farm? Uh, beef cattle, organic beef farm. Okay, uh, I think you might be the first organic farmer we've spoken to today, really? so that's that's okay. a good, interesting twist. And why are you here? Uh, I guess it's a good chance to catch up with uh, you know various members of the NFUS, and you always learn something at these things. Thinking about your farm at home and the area in which you farm, yeah. what what are the biggest kind of challenges that you're facing at the moment? Oh, we're in the west of Scotland. It's very wet we're quite a small farm it's it's not particularly easy to make a make a living from a small family farm these days we've actually diversified into one or two other things which okay, is yeah, supplementing yeah. the farm income so what have you done diversification wise um accommodation uh various mm. different types of so self-catering and glamping mm-hmm. um you'll be in the perfect location for yeah that we're very lucky yeah. with the location we're right mm. on Loch Lomond so we've got moorings for boats as well mm. um and I've got a small business running speedboat tours and kayak and paddleboard okay. hire on the loch wow too. yeah broad diversification yeah, lots yeah, of different things yeah. going on can I ask you one rude question slightly rude. rude how old are you 28 right thank you um <laughs> You're definitely the youngest person we've spoken to all day by quite a long mile. <laughs> oh, <laughs> so I'm thank glad you I'm very much. To, uh, reduce the average age there. <laughs> yes, definitely. Okay. So uh, it's the end of the day, a busy day. We're now at the evening drinks reception. You can probably hear the glasses clanking in the background. And uh, my map's filled up quite nicely. I don't know how many dots there are, but it's a good case of measles anyway, because we've got lots of red dots all over the country. We are missing Orkney and Shetland, so. I don't want to go home until I found somebody from Orkney or Shetland to speak to, and I know they're here, so I'll find them. But just to kind of give you yeah, a run through, climate change, obviously crucial. It's going to be the, the issue of the decade. Data has been another one. You know, how do we use it for profitability? How do we use it to explain what we do? How is it stored? Who owns it? That kind of thing. Um, connectivity, broadband, rural remoteness, that's been coming up. Um, Brexit, not so much, actually, because I think people are just kind of resigned to it and ready to face the next challenge a big one that has come up is the whole veganism uh, meat eating balanced diet argument and about how we tell the positive messages about what farming delivers you know we've heard from a nice range of different sectors as well Um, so I think we've had a pretty broad discussion with with a brilliantly broad range of people so I've had a great day thank you for listening to another episode of on farm you know where to find us just google us on the various channels i'm off now to uh get, get a cocktail i think i'm going to enjoy one or two before the the dinner this evening we're at the drinks reception and we kind of thought we'd uh, finish working for the day and we could put the recording equipment down but we have now found two ladies one from orkney and one from shetland which is incredibly serendipitous my name is Kerry Yeomond, I'm from Orkney. My name's Lorna Scott and I've come down from Shetland. 
So yeah, we've finally got somebody from Orkney and somebody from Shetland. This is amazing. We've been hunting all day for you ladies. I can tell you, what are some of the key issues facing farmers on Orkney at the moment? Um, major issue for us at the moment is geese management. There's a lot of grey like geese and that's having a like, huge detrimental effect on the grassland there. And then there's the obvious issues you have with an island community, like ferry services, both external and internal, wanting to protect those and make sure they keep functioning as best as possible. Other issues are just the fact that we are so far away, so freight, supplies, production, all of these things are just more expensive because of the distance um, and the fact we have to get everything up on the boat. And it just so it's just always going to cost more. Um, so those are those are always concerns. Um, yeah. And do you feel that the farming community on Shetland do, do do you think that they feel as though their voice is being heard by the union? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think it's just a case of always continuing to like bang the drum for the issues that um, affect the Northern Isles particularly because they aren't necessarily the same as across the country. Um, I mean, there are things that obviously overlap massively in, in diff- for different areas, but um, yeah, there are a few unique things that you just have to keep, keep plodding on with and, and try and get it hers. Well, thank you so much for speaking to us. I'm sorry that we pounced on you unawares. <laughs> Enjoy your night. I know I've said this before, but this time it really is the end of the episode. So thank you so much for listening to On Farm. Please do find us on your podcast channel and uh, and listen. And, and we really appreciate your support. Thank you.